Packers game day continues. In that situation, again, you know, the, the great teams uh, can finish off opponents in that situation. With Packers OT, presented by Pillow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. As long as we take it one game at a time, don't let nothing get ahead of us. Uh, you know, stuff like that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to handle itself. Now. Hear from the fans, the players, and get updates from around the league. They can't just limit us. They can't say, hey, it's two running backs in there. They All they're going to do is run the ball. You never know what we're going to do now. So I feel like it's just giving us more and more weapons. With your host, Greg Matzik, on the Packers Radio Network. Well, hope you didn't go to bed too early. If you did, you're probably not listening right now. Welcome in. It's Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Greg Matzik with you until 1 o'clock. We'll take your calls at 855-616-1620. A reminder that through December 31st, get no money down, no interest, and no payments for 12 months from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, plus $500 off qualifying orders. For details, visit PellaWI.com. 24-16, the final. The Packers improved to 11-3 with a Jekyll and Hyde win over the Carolina Panthers. We will break it down over the next couple of hours, but first, we'll step aside 10 seconds for our stations to identify themselves on the Packers Radio Network. Breaking news, weather and traffic 24 hours a day. WTMJ and W277CB. Milwaukee. Football can be a real pain. Orthopedic Associates of Wisconsin can fix that pain fast. There is a difference. Voice at the Packers, Wayne Larravee, will join us for a couple of segments here as we try and sift through what we just spent a few hours listening to and or watching. A very interesting game developed at Lambeau Field tonight in which the Packers appeared to do everything they needed to do in the first half. They distanced themselves from the Carolina Panthers, scoring touchdowns on their first three drives. Boom, boom, boom. And you thought, here we go. You start the ball in the second half. Get a score, maybe force Carolina out of their game plan entirely and run away from a lesser opponent. That could not have been further from the truth. The Packers led 21-3 to at the half. They held on to beat Carolina after being outscored 13-3 to in the second half. The only point scored by the Packers, uh, amazingly, the guys missed their automatic, a 51-yard field goal on a chilly winter night in Green Bay that helped the Packers Uh, distance themselves from the Panthers, but Carolina was game all night long, sacking Aaron Rodgers five times, and uh, just a confounding performance offensively in the second half, maybe bailed out a bit by the defense and a little bit of special teams in tonight's wins. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us as we welcome in the voice of the Packers, Wayne Larvey. Wayne, this probably feels a little bit like the Jacksonville game in terms of all right, it's a win, and, and let's not grade wins. This was a critical game for the Packers in terms of their position, but you get done with it, and you're like, huh, well, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. After the uh, start, um, you know, the first three Packers possessions produced 21 points, 203 yards of offense. Um, the last seven possessions, okay, three points and 88 yards. I, I, I don't know where that leaves us, except that they got it done. And, Greg, I will say this, you know, when, when you, you look at uh, around the league, and, boy, I mean, you can point to so many teams. Let's just go back a week ago. Um, you know, New Orleans going to play that train wreck in Philadelphia and get beat? Really? 
that happened, you know, I mean, it's so hard to take care of business in this league, and, and we laymen just don't have an appreciation for that at all. Larry and I were really impressed with uh, Carolina's youth and athletic ability on that defensive side of the football coming into the game. And you knew, hey, you, you knew even without Christian McCaffrey, they have playmakers on the perimeter of that offense. And Bridgewater is a fairly um, efficient quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's not the answer. If they think he's the answer, Answer. If they think he's the franchise in Carolina, they're sorely mistaken. But I don't think they're that dumb. Uh, they're building that defense, and they'll eventually get a quarterback to take over. But for now, Bridgewater is really good. And I thought, you know, he did a nice job for the most part. But um, you know, th- those weapons out there—you got two receivers that run sub four four forties, and then there aren't many teams in this league that have that. Well, it, it seemed challenging, Wayne, for the Packers to to get some of those chunk plays in the second half. We saw some receptions of you know 14 to 16 yards in that first half, and it just really moving with ease. And I, I don't know if the problem started in the two-minute drill, but the Packers had two opportunities in the two-minute drill, and, and were not able to convert. That, that, to me, is a little bit uncommon for them, especially considering what they did with the first three possessions. But, boy, it was a, it was a challenge to get – really anything going in that second half. And I I guess I'd have to watch the game back to try and point out reasons why. I mean, there was a little self-sabotage with a couple of drops here and there, some protection breakdowns, but it it just seemed tough to get up and running in that second half for whatever reason. I was really surprised at the end of the first half. You're right, the Packers got the ball 3.28 to go in the half. They're leading 21-3 to at that point in time, and, and they had scored touchdowns of their first three possessions, and they, they got a first down, and then uh, the drive fizzled out um, You know, with a fourth and 10 at the Carolina 41. J.K. Scott uh, came in and, and punted. The Packers um, forced Carolina out in three plays, and you know, so Packers get it back with 55 seconds to go and really don't get much going at all. You're right, Greg, and I thought those last two drives of the first half. That was a little eye-opening, but boy, when they got into the third quarter, okay, the Packers are going to get the ball, put this thing away. You know, you got the feeling that one more score, another touchdown would do it. It's 21-3, to and they go 1-2-3 and out to start the third quarter, and that's uh, when, you know, all of a sudden this thing started getting interesting. I thought the offensive line, we've been giving credit all year to, to the makeshift offensive line and the different positions people are playing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I thought tonight they struggled with the athleticism of Carolina. They flat out, I was they were overmatched and not overmatched Greg I'm sorry but they were they struggled with the athleticism of the Carolina front in my opinion that's it's the way I saw the game and obviously that showed up in five sacks and a lot of the, the you know a lot of times Rodgers was under pressure and maybe not able to get his first uh, uh, look downfield as clean as he normally would um, had he not been under pressure but I thought the athletic uh, ability up front of Carolina uh, they're very young but they're very athletic and they gave the Packers offensive line some trouble. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to chime in. Now, I, the folks in the desert thought this was going to be about an eight-point game, Wayne, so they got something right. I guess it's just a matter of how you come to an eight-point game. Uh, and, and what I don't want to do is is take away from some of the things I saw on defense today, and that was a very active Chris Barnes before his injury. Who knew how big that, that fumble uh, force the, at the goal line would be. It loomed large in this game. And then also the performance by Adrian Amos. Uh, I, I, I lost track of how many times you were saying his name, whether it was a pass breakup or a short tackle, but there were some outstanding performances on defense tonight. 
There really were individually, and it's unfortunate things didn't come together as well as they would have liked, um, you know, from a total concept. But uh, nonetheless, you're right. Amos playing in the box, and we've seen that a little bit more these last couple of weeks. And I think that's really, you know, he he can really play that role. And it's really been since Raven Green's gone down with injury. Uh, they move uh, Adrian Amos in there. He's long. He's uh, big enough to do that. And I think around the line of scrimmage, he can make things happen. Meanwhile, we also saw Darnell Savage and the speed of Savage chased down a play. I believe it was uh, D.J. Moore on a big pass play uh, that could have really changed everything had Moore been able to score right away. Um, but Darnell Savage on the back end of the play able to chase it down with his 4-4 speed. So um, I think that's a good combination of safeties. But Adrian Amos playing in the box, I, I, his knowledge, his, um, the, the way he sees the game, all that stuff I think makes for um, a much more effective player in the box there. You know, I noted when Barnes went out of the game, Wayne, uh, had an eye injury. Not sure exactly how significant it is. Uh, there was a third and nine in which Carolina picked up four yards, but a defensive holding call on Kevin King allowed for that drive to continue. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, just a couple of plays later, I, he saw something, and the, the middle of the field was vacated. He ends up running in with a touchdown. And, and to me, I'm thinking to myself, it, it is that they, they, the, the vacated areas where Chris Barnes could have been, they had to do some shifting there. Um, I wonder if if they just saw something and then he just took off. But Barnes is getting some run. Kamal Martin's getting some run. Christian Kirksey is not getting as much run. What do you see happening here at inside linebacker? Well, Kirksey played a lot. He led the team in tackles with nine tonight. But, um, yeah, you're right. I think these guys are getting more um, snaps as they show that they can do more. Um, you know, on the Bridgewater scramble, I'm, I'm not sure. I think that might have been a quarterback draw the way they uh, – we've watched tape on him all week and, and several different games, and, and they usually have one or two of those a game with Bridgewater running that. Um, hey, you're down – Aaron Rodgers ran one in without being touched tonight uh, because, you know, when you have the defense in plastic man-to-man, everybody's back is to the quarterback, and they're trying to cover their man in the end zone, and oftentimes it leaves the field wide open. So I don't know if Chris Barnes would have been even in the game at that in that situation. I don't know, but um, it's it's just interesting the way this game played out. But, hey, give the Packers credit, okay? Um, a lot of times teams will blow a game like this, and it'll be that game at the end of the year, Greg, kind of like remember when the Packers in 2014 went to Buffalo and played a really bad Bills team, and Jordy Nelson dropped what would have been a 99-yard touchdown pass, and, and the Packers played horribly and lost a tight ball game, and nobody thought much of it, and the Packers won the final game of the regular season, and they go to the playoffs and they beat Dallas. But the reason they had to go to Seattle that year was because they lost that damn game in Buffalo, and that's what cost the Packers. And the, the games like this, you know, so taking care of business, hey, if you take care of business, I don't care what the outcome is, I don't care what the score is or how you do it, if you can take care of business in this league, you go a long way to solidifying home field advantage in the playoffs, and that's exactly what happened tonight. Now, next week, will the Packers have to play better against a really good Tennessee team coming in here? Yeah, Tennessee can run the football, Tennessee can pass the football, and Tennessee has a defense, so they'll need four quarters here. But uh, tonight, they got it done with three possessions of the outside of the ball game that uh, really made the difference. Packers finished the game with 291 yards of offense, felt like they were on pace for 300 yards of offense in the first half. Five of 12 on third down tonight, Wayne, I did make a note. Uh, they were, uh, on average, looking at about eight yards a pop on third down. That that seems to be a, tif- a difficult number to overcome. However, I, they were able to do it. I think there were four third down conversions on that scramble touchdown. 
by Aaron Rodgers, drive number two of the game. So they were able to get it done more so in the first half, but third and eight, that's a tough putt. Yeah, it seemed like uh, the running game in the second half wasn't nearly what it was in the first half. Aaron Jones really was electric in that first half. I mean, a short run for Aaron Jones in the first half seemed like about a six-yard gallop, you know what I mean? But in the second half, the yards were tough to come by. I mean, Carolina, give them some credit. Uh, they responded, and they started making some plays out there. And, um, you know, it's I, I don't know what else to tell you as far as adjustments go. Were there any major adjustments made? I don't know, because I thought Carolina started getting a hand on the Green Bay offense late in the first, uh, late in the second quarter, on those last two Packers possessions when the Packers were trying to score. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. If you'd like to join us on the program, Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Let's bring in Jamie from San Francisco. You are on Packers OT. Hi, Jamie. Hi. How are you doing? Great. Thanks um, for the call. I just wanted to make a comment on Matt Lafleur, um, who has won. I don't know, 27 games in in his early career. And I think what it tells me is that we have a great coach and an even greater quarterback uh, that probably hasn't, you know, been given the tools or the coaching that he could have had in the first 12 years of his life. But I think that all we really need to do going forward is fix those few errors. We're not going to win playing offense like this, but um, I just think, you know, with Matt and Aaron, we have the offense to do it. Whether we have the defense, I don't know. I appreciate the phone call, Jamie. You know, the defense tonight, Wayne, I think in some respects helped prop up the offense, and who knew how big that play, uh, you know, with Carolina driving and looking like they're going to get into the end zone, all of a sudden you're thinking, all right, it's going to be 14-10 to 10 here, see what Green Bay can do, and boom. After the fumble and return by Kevin King, seven plays later, Green Bay's in the end zone, and it's 21-3. to 3. I didn't know that would be the turning point in the game, but, I mean, that, that sequence is enormous here in an eight-point win. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, where would they be without that? What if Carolina goes in for that score and, and the second half plays out the way it did? Um, you know, hard to tell. I, but, yeah, you're exactly right, and the caller makes a good point. 855-616-1620 if you would like to join us. Just getting started here on Packers OT. Green Bay improves to 11-3 and with the win over the Carolina Panthers and uh, technically uh, all by themselves uh, atop the NFC standings. Now, Saints are going to play tomorrow against the Kansas City Chiefs. Marquee game of the day. Drew Brees will be back. Michael Thomas going to IR. He's going to miss the remainder of the regular season. So uh, addition by subtraction here for a talented New Orleans team taking on a very talented Kansas City Chiefs team. So if the Saints win, then you're back to owning the tiebreaker, but the Packers maintain control of their own destiny, most importantly, after tonight's victory. We'll take your calls up until 1 o'clock. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. A yard short of the gold zone. Rodgers in the shotgun. First and goal of the one. Play action. Toss. Right side. Tunyon reaches end zone. Touchdown! Robert Tunyon in the gold zone. And the offense celebrates 6-0. Packers. Chevrolet is proud to be the best-selling brand in Wisconsin and the official vehicle of the Green Bay Packers. Trust Chevy on your team. Visit your local Chevy dealer 
today. Craig Matzik and voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee with you. This is Packers OT, presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. You heard the highlight there, Aaron Rodgers to Robert Tunyon, his 10th touchdown of the season, the 40th passing touchdown for Rodgers on the season. Seven plays, 81 yards, three minutes, 43 seconds. And this came after a field goal by Carolina. So, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the Packers actually able to take the lead. Carolina would score a field goal on the next possession. Boy, it made it look easy. Right, Wayne? And no problem. Get out there and let it rip. Rodgers gets his 40th touchdown pass of the season early on, and, and the offense was just humming. Matt LaFleur, to his credit, is saying that he probably went away from the run a little bit too much in the second half and uh, puts it on his shoulders for the offensive struggles. That's him being a good head coach. Uh, but Rodgers, 40th touchdown, the 10th for Tunyon. This duo, perhaps unsuspecting, has, has, has lifted the Packers' offense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and most people wouldn't know Robert Tunyon around the country. I mean, everyone knows Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey, right? But do they know Aaron Rodgers to Robert Tunyon? Because uh, that combination from a scoring standpoint has been every bit as good as the one in, in Kansas City. You know, Greg, one of the strange things about this game, and, and I looked at those first three drives, the Packers' offensive line was playing at a sharpness and a level that was just outstanding, maybe the best all season on those first three drives and and I don't know uh, you know again I'd have to go back and look at tape and all that and I probably still wouldn't know but I, I'm not quite sure how things changed up front and how Carolina um, you know sacked a Packers squad that had only absorbed 14 quarterback sacks all season how did Carolina get five sacks in the game tonight against that offensive line I, I don't know but I can say this that it did change things changed in that game but I thought let's give credit where credit is due in the first three drives of this game that offensive line was dominating the line of scrimmage up front uh, and I don't know if they just kind of lost steam or whatever or if the Packers when they got up 21 to 3 lost their edge sometimes that happens you don't want it to happen but sometimes it does everybody you know it's, this is a people business these are people and so uh, I don't know but something happened and in, in, in um, Carolina eventually gained control of the line of scrimmage and and seemed to have its way up front and, and I think that also had an impact on the pa- on the rushing game as well not nearly as effective in the second half as they were in the first half. Well, you know, that Rodgers to Tunyon, first drive of the game for the Packers offense. It's the seventh time this season the Packers have scored a touchdown on drive number one. I, when I look at third quarter production, Wayne, it, it really is a mixed bag. And tonight was the fifth occasion this year in which the Packers scored zero points in the entire third quarter. So I, I'm I, I, it's a stat, right? I mean, it, it's the truth. I don't know mm-hmm. if there's anything specific to it, but clearly <laughs> the, the scripting or whatever happens for getting the game going, that's working. Whatever's yeah, happened in the yeah. third quarter, right, it, it is all over the map here, but five occasions they haven't scored a single point in the third quarter. Yeah, uh, and had some really third quarters that unfortunately didn't happen tonight where the game is like changed. <laughs> you can go back to Indianapolis. I mean, like all of a sudden you're up 28 to 14 and you get the third quarter and <laughs> All of a sudden, you're in a tie ball game, and you're fighting for your life, and you fall behind, and you have to hit a field goal to get it to overtime. And and so, yeah, the third quarter, I don't know, something about the third quarter, and you're right, Greg, I didn't realize it was five third quarters where they haven't scored, but that is um, – I'm sure the coaching staff will be looking at that pretty closely. Well, and there's some common traits here. So zero points against Tampa Bay, that was a blowout loss. Zero points against Minnesota the second time. In fact, Minnesota outscored them 14 to nothing. That was a loss, one of only a couple of times the Packers have been held under 30 points all season. Shutout in the third quarter against Jacksonville. 
kind of like tonight, a narrow win. He didn't really feel comfortable about it. And then shut out in the third quarter against Indianapolis, which was a loss. And then again tonight. Yep. So uh, there are some common themes in those games. These are games in which the Packers have been held under 30 points. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what, Greg, that can't happen against the really good teams. And they're going to face a really good team coming in here from Tennessee. All right, they're going to face a really good team in all phases. And and the Packers cannot afford a third quarter. And they know that. And it's, it's just nothing. Hey, if, if we know that, don't you think they know that long before we do? And they and that's very much the case. And I'm sure that's going to be part of a point of emphasis in the preparation for this game. Uh, you've got to come out. I don't care if you score in your first three possessions. And, and uh, you know, lead twenty-one to three uh, against uh, Tennessee. You've got to play four quarters, and you can't let up. and And I think that's going to be a point of emphasis. I don't know if the coaches will talk about it publicly, but I guarantee you, uh, behind those locker room doors where you and I can't go, uh, they're going to make that point very clear to this football team. and 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 they're going to also take a look at what they did from a schematic standpoint in the second half of this ball game here tonight. Uh, are you trying to say that uh, Derrick Henry is tough to bring down in the month of December for the Titans? Um, He's tough to bring down bit. in September. You know, everybody <laughs> said, well, what if it's cold and what if it snows? You know something? You know what travels in bad weather? Running, Running games and defense. That Those things travel. They travel in all weather. Every week. I see defenders making business decisions when Derrick Henry comes mm-hmm. running through the middle. So uh, even be... more when it's cold, right. you know what I mean? Because <laughs> right. you get hammered on a cold night when you're half frozen. You know what happens to ice when you hit it with a hammer? It, it uh, breaks up. Yeah, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> you <know>? I'm sure. <laughs> uh, that'll be a true yeah. measuring stick game, right? I do. I, I will. I, I, yeah. I look at tonight, and I look at last week against. Uh, in Chicago, I look at you know the following week. Uh, I'm sorry, the last week against Detroit, the final week of the season against Chicago. I say you got to do your business. You, you take care of a lesser team and you move on. I look at Tennessee, Wayne, and I see it's it, it's a true measuring stick game. That that is the kind of team that mm-hmm. you might see that that well balanced come playoff time. Be it you know the Rams, the Seahawks, whoever the Packers end up facing uh, at Lambeau Field. That's a measuring stick game. That's a big boy coming yes. to town now. No, absolutely right, Greg. And you know, and you mentioned a couple of teams. I think the Rams are the team that's up and coming in the NFL and the NFC right now. That's the team I think is starting to peak. That's a very dangerous team because their defense will travel. I don't care if it's 30 below zero. I don't care if it's snowing here. If they have to come here and play the Packers, that defense will travel. Now, uh, their offense, I don't know if it will or not, but um, the defense will. Now, the thing that you mentioned uh, that, that's very interesting is that you're going to face teams – in the playoffs that have something <laughs> there's a reason why they went 12 and 4 or whatever it was or 11 and 3 or 11 and 5 that kind of thing so you're going to face good teams but i want to give the the packers and their coaching staff the players and the staff a lot of credit okay almost two full years with matt lafleur how many games have the packers lost that you sat there in the pregame and said well, this is a definite win they're going to win this game I go back to the game last year. One game last year, the Packers lost where I really thought, you know, and again, people will say, well, they lost to the Eagles in Green Bay. Yeah, but the Eagles were a pretty good football team a year ago uh, last year. You know, and and they came in here and they won a shootout with the Packers. That was a heck of a game. Um, But the one game last year that the Packers would like to have back, and you sit there and say, that should have been a win, is the game out in L.A. against the Chargers, who were not a very good football team at that time, but dominated the Packers and won the ballgame. And the game earlier this year, 
against Minnesota. Okay, I understand Dalvin Cook went off, but the Packers are a better team than the Vikings and should not have lost that game. You have one of those, two of those games. The good teams have maybe two. The bad teams have three or four of those kinds of games every year. That's why they're bad. But the good teams lose a couple of those games a year. The Packers have only lost two in two seasons of Matt LaFleur. So uh, I think that that shows you that this coaching staff and these players, they're pretty much on point. Um, You know, they're not screwing around. And these games that they're trying to win because as we all say take care of business they're intent on doing that and and they've only missed on two occasions that i see uh where they lost games that you said oh they're going to win that game they have to win that game of course they're going to win that game they're favored by 10 points whatever it is um you know the packers win the games they're supposed to win and no apology for that they were supposed to win tonight they won. Did it look great? Well, it did at the beginning, you know, but they won, and that's the thing. Did they beat Jacksonville here? They were supposed to win. Yes, they did. And, and you know, that's, there's something to be said for that, Greg, and, and I understand we're all looking ahead to, to Tennessee and saying, boy, the Packers are going to have to play a lot better against Tennessee. Yeah, maybe they will have to play a lot better against Tennessee, but probably they will, you know what I mean? But at least they take care of business, and that's what has them in the position they're in now as the top seed in the NFC. Be fun to watch it tomorrow. It'll be the Saints and Kansas City Chiefs, a 325 kick. Waiting to get to watch a football game. That'll be nice. Kick yeah, back, relax. Looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Before that game, I'll watch uh, Tennessee and King Henry. There we go. A little advanced scouting. Wayne, always great to listen to you and Larry on the call. Drive safe. Have yourself a Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you again next week. Same to you, Greg, and your beautiful family. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Great. Thanks so much. That's uh, Voice of the Packers, Wayne Larravee. We'd love to hear from you at 855-616-1620. We do have a couple of open lines available, and uh, we'll get through this one. This is a very interesting game tonight. The Packers emerging with a 24-16 win over the Carolina Panthers. Fast start, sluggish second half, mixed feelings, I'm sure, in the locker room. But if you're going to be kind of clunky, better to come out on top, and the Packers were able to do that tonight. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Third down, a goal to go to the six. Rodgers in the pocket, steps up, scrambles right, takes it himself to the end zone. Touchdown! Now they had plaster man-to-man defense. Everybody's back to the quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers went in untouched as he circle-rooted to the right hash marks into the end zone. This season, Sargento donates $2,000 for every touchdown to fight hunger through Touchdowns for Hunger, benefiting Milwaukee's Hunger Task Force and Paul's Pantry in Green Bay. That means a donation of $6,000 to Touchdowns for Hunger to fight hunger in Wisconsin. Sargento will continue to donate $2,000 per touchdown to Touchdowns for Hunger throughout the season. Sargento, the official cheese of the Green Bay Packers. Packers OT presented by Pella, Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Greg Matzik taking your calls until 1 o'clock at 855-616-1620. Let's go to the phones. It's Andy in Mosinee. Thank you for holding, Andy. You're on Packers OT. My pleasure. Thanks for taking my call. First time caller. Uh, been a Packer fan my whole life. 24 years old. Best team to watch. However, I have some main concerns with uh, my favorite football team. One of them being, can we manage to finally get Aaron Rodgers another Super Bowl by being able to finish these second halves? It's quite concerning how much we have to rely on the defense to, you know, do all the dirty work, so to say, just to keep us alive. 
when in reality something isn't going on. It seems like when we're trying to execute, get the ball down the road, I don't know if it's just with the lack of connection. It seems like Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are still, you know, one of the best uh, connections in the in the league to watch. However, where is Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb that helped bring them to the Super Bowl? You know, just some just some little concerns I have with uh, the longevity of being able to get the job done. I know last year it was a tough year for us Packer fans. NFC Championship game came came uh, short, and it's like we didn't even show up the second half. So I love where the team's going. I give my hats off to Matt Lafleur and all the hard work the guys are putting in. But I would just like to maybe see some changes down the road where we can get a draft pick, maybe inside middle linebacker that'll help with this uh, run defense of ours that needs to get better. And that's going to be a huge test for us too next week against uh, Derrick Henry. He makes uh, inside middle linebackers look like little kids. So we'll see how it goes. Go Pack Go. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, it's a, a tale of two halves, as I mentioned at the start of the program. You know, you hold a team to 16 points. That's a pretty good effort in today's NFL. And that you are going to win a lot of football games if you hold a team to 16 points in today's NFL. Now, part of that is the Packers' offense in the first half. There's been a bit of an assist from the Packers' offense this year. Teams have been forced to scrap their game plan and, all right, we've got to air the ball out. We need points. We have, we have the preserve clock. We cannot commit to the run because the Packers are running away with this thing. So the Packers were a ball control dominant team in the first half of this game. First drive, 13 plays. I'm sorry, 7 plays, 81 yards, a little under 4 minutes. The very next drive, 13 plays, 75 yards, a little under 7 minutes. And, you know, you're just marching down the field, 7 plays, 47 yards on the next opportunity, chewing up clock, and it's 21-3, to and you're thinking, oh, boy, you get points on the board in your two-minute drill, and then you go to halftime and start the second half with the ball, you can end this team. You can just bury them, put them away. And it didn't happen tonight. So uh, tonight was one of those games where I look at it and say the Packers offense certainly provided an assist to the defense in the early goings. But the defense, it, it, it seemed to make plays when it had to. And I, I know that can get you into trouble at times because, well, as in the case of Carolina's you know, long drive in the first half that resulted in a fumble, that thing was moving pretty good. They got down to the one-yard line. And Chris Barnes made an incredible play. It was sort of a volleyball spike of the football. Kevin King picks it up, rumbles 48 yards down the field, and boom, seven plays later, you're in the end zone, and it's 21-3. to We were looking at 14-10 to for a moment. And then you're talking about, oh, boy, here we go. Is this a shootout? What is going on here at Lambeau Field on a chilly night? So that, to me, was the absolute critical juncture of the game. I didn't know that it was going to be at the time, but certainly that is a big swing, a huge swing, a 14-point swing. 14-10, 21-3, that's a big difference. So, I, And then there was another time, I think, toward the end of the first half, in which, from the five-yard line, Carolina picked up 20 yards on first down. Oh, boy, here we go. Two-minute drill in effect. The Packers were ineffective. Carolina... They got a big-legged kicker. Can they get into field goal range? And then Mike Pettin dialed up a little more aggressive of a defense, and three balls were batted, tipped away from the intended receiver on first, second, and third down, and Carolina had to punt. So I, they ratcheted things up 
when they had to. And that doesn't mean there wasn't some sloppy play. There was. There were some missed tackles. I thought Kevin King had a, a bit of a rough go tonight, if I'm being honest. But all in all, 16 points. The point production, that's pretty good. And you're going to win a lot of football games because it's rare for the Packers to be held under 30. Holding a team to 16, regardless of the record in today's NFL, it's just not easy to do. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. Uh, Brian, Scott, Mike, and Bill on the line. Got an open line for you as well. We'll get to everybody, I promise. We'll take your calls until 1 o'clock. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Who came in from the blind side and knocked down Teddy Bridgewater as he tried to set up something on the left. A loss of about four, make it, uh, yeah, four yards to the 26th, third down for Carolina, third and 14. Through December 31st, get no money down, no interest, and no payments for 12 months, plus $500 off qualifying orders at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. For details, visit PellaWI.com. Greg Matzik with you until 1 o'clock, 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us, Packers OT is presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. 24-16 the final, Green Bay improves to 11-3, the first team in the NFC to reach 11 wins with tonight's victory. Back to the phones we go. Let's grab Scott in Iowa. Thanks for holding, Scott. You're on Packers OT. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, congratulations to the coach and uh, to Aaron for his, I think it's three years, 40 touchdowns. And uh, I'm, I'm asking, I'm gonna, question is going to be, uh, with the two, about two minutes left in the game, what was Caroline thinking? What was their strategy for going for a field goal right there when they just made a big play? And could have, could have gone, you know, had their defense on the run. And I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, I thought it was and interesting. Go, go, go pack, go. Yeah, you bet, Scott. Appreciate the phone call. So this was interesting. It, uh, it was a 40-yard gain uh, to DJ Moore, some pretty bad tackling. He should have been wrapped up for about a 7-yard gain. But nonetheless, 40-yard gain, and all of a sudden Carolina, at the time, trailing, looking to get back into this thing. It's 24-13. And after a 40-yard gain, there's a little over two minutes left. So to me, this was, we're playing to tie. We are not playing to win this game. We are playing to tie. And a timeout situation was not in favor of Carolina. It was just before the two-minute warning. So I think Matt Rule was thinking, all right, let's get three on the board here. We don't have a lot of timeouts. Let's preserve the one timeout we have. Let's utilize the two-minute warning as another ability to stop play, and let's rely on our defense to get us the ball back. But to me, I, I've kind of felt like, okay, well, you're playing to get points on the board, stop the Packers on defense, then score a touchdown, and get a two-point conversion instead of let's get the touchdown right now. Maybe we can get another one. I, and maybe Matt Rule thought just, hey, look, these decisions are made in the snap of a finger. In the snap of a finger, right? I, Matt Rule had no idea DJ Moore was going to do what he did, and all of a sudden he breaks free for 40 yards. Hey, they're in field goal position. What's the clock say? 2-0-whatever? Hey, let's get this done before the two-minute warning. Our timeout situation's not great. Let's get a field goal up on the board. We'll kick it through the end zone, force Green Bay to go against our defense, which is on fire right now. I mean, look what the Packers did in the second half. They scored three points. I'd feel confident about the defense as well. And ultimately, Carolina did get the ball back uh, just uh, in about a minute or so 
a little under a minute to be exact and were unable to do anything with it. But that was my first thought. They're going for the tie. They're playing for the tie. They need a lot of help to get to that point, but they're playing for the tie. I don't know what I would have done. It's easy to look back on it and say, oh, yeah, I would have done this. That was foolish. But you have to understand how fast these decisions are being made. And hard to say that it worked against Matt Rule, right? They got the field goal. They booted the ball through the end zone. Green Bay started to drive with 2.04 left on the clock. So you had the two-minute warning. Green Bay ultimately punted the ball back. I think there was a penalty involved there as well, so it pushed the Carolina Panthers back even further, uh, and then it was an uphill battle. Uh, But it was an interesting decision, as was noted. Back to the phones. It's Mike in Minnesota joining us next on Packers OT. Hi, Mike. Good evening, Greg. Uh, As I told your screener, I am an owner, uh, but I've lived in Minneapolis for uh, 31 years. And um, uh, for some reason, our Fox affiliate tonight chose to have the mask singer on as opposed to the game. It was on NFL Network, but I'm not a subscriber. So I, I was able to, to vacillate, and I always listened to Larry and, and uh, Wayne. And, uh, but I was up in the kitchen and was listening to Westwood One, and they were, they were questioning why the Packers ab- abandoned the r- run in their last two drives um, leading up to halftime. And then they also scratched their heads, which is what you just alluded to uh, about, you know, the hands team was in for an onside kick, but I guess with their kicker it made more sense to kick it out of the thing and, and like you said, rely on their defense, which was on fire. But the, my main question was the, the abandoning the, uh, the run for the two, the two drives that they had leading up to halftime. Yeah, appreciate the phone call, Mike. Glad you were able to at least listen to the ball game. Let's go back to that situation, shall we? Packers had rolled down the field on three separate occasions to start the game, 21-3, to in the blink of an eye. And Green Bay took over with 325 left and two timeouts and ultimately were forced to punt. And there was a little self-sabotage in there in that Aaron Rodgers was sacked for a 10-yard loss on a second and 10. So now it's third and 20. And Rodgers was able to scramble for 10, and ultimately Green Bay punted. But on that drive, there was an incomplete pass to start it. There was a pass for 13 yards on the second play, a four-yard pass on a first and 10 to Alan Lazard, and then A.J. Dillon's run of 18 yards. And then it went incomplete pass, sack, third and 20. So 18-yard run by A.J. Dillon. Jamal Williams was on the sidelines at that time. Dillon showed a little wiggle, and that was the only carry he received on the night. Yet again, 55 seconds to go, two timeouts, 30-yard line. You're thinking to yourself, we've seen this movie 100 times before. The Packers will find a way to score before the end of the half. First down play was a sack, loss of five yards. Now it's second and 15, and Robert Tunning was called for an illegal block. The penalty was accepted. Now you're looking at second and 23. Picked up 14 yards, and then you're looking at third and nine. And Aaron looked like he could have scrambled for a first down, but he had Alan Lazard tight roping the sidelines. It looked like a perfect ball. Allen had his feet situated they need, the way they needed to be situated, and he dropped the pass out of bounds. So I, it, it was all pass 
I get it. It was all pass, but it was set up to convert that third and nine. It was just a drop by Alan Lazard. Matt LaFleur did mention it, however, following the post, uh, following the game during his postgame news session, that he went for, away from the run, that the, they need to have a better commitment to the run. It's always hard for me to tell what was a designed run, what was called run from the sidelines, and what did Aaron Rodgers change? Right? There are RPO options in the form of Matt LaFleur's offense, where Aaron looks up and says, yeah, you know what, I think I like something I see here. Let's maybe try and get Devontae the ball in a one-on-one matchup. And uh, we've got somebody in space. I think we can exploit this. And, and there just really weren't any big plays at all in the second half. So uh, that's always hard to tell. So just keep that in mind, though, when you, when you talk about play calling and run versus pass. The call coming in from the sidelines might be different than the play that's actually run. I do think there are a couple of minds at work, and Aaron has that ability to put the Packers in the best situation possible based upon what he sees. But you're right. I mean, 291 yards total for the Packers. Aaron Jones was over 100 yards by himself in the first half. A couple nice runs in the second half, but overall, the time of possession really shifted back toward Carolina in tonight's game. That was a Jekyll and Hyde game. Tale of two halves. Green Bay didn't play terribly well in the second half after a stellar beginning. All in all, it boils down to a 24-16 win and a record of 11-3. Better to play a little sloppy, a little clunky, and come out with a win than what Wayne alluded to when he joined us earlier in the program. Remember when Green Bay went to Buffalo and got beat by a team they had no business losing to? It forced them to travel in the playoffs out to Seattle. For a game that I'd prefer not to talk about anymore. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. We'll wrap up our number one of the program on the other side. We'll dip into the locker room. we got some numbers we'll share with you. And we'll take your calls as well. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Rodgers under center. Aaron Jones, the lone back. Give to Jones a wide out. Bouncing left to the outside. High-stepping end zone. Touchdown, Green Bay! Tonight's hardest working player of the game is presented by Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Buy online at farmandfleet.com. Pick up your items in the convenient drive-thru. You don't even need to get out of your car. Packers running back Aaron Jones is the Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Hardest working player of the game tonight. Jones over 100 yards in the first half and that touchdown we just played. Had a long of 46 tonight. Finished the night with 20 carries, 145 yards, averaging a little over 7 yards per carry. Jones also with 13 yards receiving on three receptions. So 23 touches for Aaron Jones. That's a good number. I think that's got to be around 20 each and every game. Aaron Jones just too electrifying of a player uh, to have fewer touches than 20. He's been below 20 on a couple of occasions. You like to see it in that 20 range, a little above tonight at 23. But 20 carries, 145 yards. Uh, on a night, the Packers turned out 291 yards of total offense. Aaron Jones was over half of what the Packers had on offense tonight. Well, right at half of what the Packers had on offense. So impressive performance by Aaron Jones. He is our hardest working player of the game. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Bill in Illinois. You are on Packers OT. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Hey, great. Thanks. Good, good. Um, thanks for taking our call. Um, the uh, At the beginning of the season, the Packers had Josiah Guara and John Lovett, H-backs, and then they had Swerve 
And now we've got Tavon Austin, but I didn't see him on offense much tonight. Uh, those players bring, you know, a little difference that that some teams, uh, you know, get some get some thinking a little bit. But I didn't see that much tonight. Do you think Tavon Austin will be used more as the season progresses? I do, um, I do, and I I think he'll. You'll pepper the return game as a punt return man. It doesn't look like they're going to use him as a kickoff returner. He hasn't done it for a number of years. Keep in mind that Tavon Austin, he hadn't been hit much, right? I, th- this dude was not on a team the entire season until he joined Green Bay. He was a free agent. So uh, from a conditioning perspective, football shape perspective, I, I looks to be in fine shape. I'm sure he's still fast, but these are the first hits he has taken all season long. Uh Remember when Andre Rising came to the Packers way back when, resulted in a Super Bowl? What do you all remember when Andre Rising was a Packer? Do you remember him catching a couple balls against St. Louis in his first opportunity? Probably not. Do you remember the, like, the four catches he had a couple weeks? No. You remember him streaking toward the end zone on a touchdown pass from Brett Favre. That is a lasting mo- image of Andre Rising in a Packers uniform. His regular season, he joined midway through, at the more toward the end of the season. His numbers were incredibly modest, incredibly modest, but he came up big when it mattered most. I'm not suggesting that Tavon Austin is going to run wild in the Super Bowl, but he has the kind of game-changing ability to take a punt return to the house. And even if it's a 20-yard gain, on a second and four, on a big stage, I think he will get used a little bit more. Matt LaFleur mentioned this uh, about a week ago. We saw Tavon more in the first half than the second half. That's more when you're talking about plays that are scripted. And when I think about when I saw Tavon Austin tonight, there were a couple of situations. He was in the backfield with another back, and he was used in that jet motion. Uh, didn't get the ball, but served as a bit of a decoy like Tyler Irvin. Uh, and even Tyler Irvin didn't see the ball all that often, but he was a you had to pay attention. You had to pay attention because they went to him just enough to where if you saw him moving, it could help dictate what the defense was planning. And Tavon Austin is going to have, I think, a little bit larger of a role as we move on. Brian and Marinette joins us before the top of the hour. You're on Packers OT. Hi, Brian. How are you doing tonight? Hey, great. Thank you for holding. Uh, not a problem. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, I just want to touch on the defense a little bit. You know, I know there's a little suspect here and there, but they get the job done. But Amos, that man can wrap up a tackle. But why Why can't Kevin King do the same thing? Kevin King tries to get the big hit every time, and they bounce off him and get five, ten more yards. I, I didn't think tonight was a great night for Kevin King, Brian. I appreciate the phone call, and you're spot on about Adrian Amos. I, I thought he was outstanding tonight, maybe the best game he's had all season. He had three passes defended, a quarterback hit, a sack, which I think was more of a scramble by Teddy Bridgewater, but he was pushed out of bounds without gaining a yard, so it goes down officially as a sack. Uh, tonight was not a great night, I didn't think, for Kevin King. He had a defensive holding at a third and nine that allowed a drive to continue. Carolina would score a touchdown. Uh, and there was also a play, I think it was a, a first and 20, where you had the, the illegal hit. I know it's fast action, but nonetheless, it allowed for a drive to continue. Our show continues. It's Packers OT.
Coming up, it's hour number two of the program. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Packers game day continues. In that situation, again, you know, the, the great teams... Uh, can finish off opponents in that situation. With Packers OT, presented by Pillow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. As long as we take it one game at a time, don't let nothing get ahead of us, uh, you know, stuff like that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to handle itself. Now, hear from the fans, the players, and get updates from around the league. They can't just limit us. They can't say, hey, it's two running backs in there. They All they're going to do is run the ball. You never know what we're going to do now. So I feel like it's just giving us more and more weapons. With your host, Greg Matzik, on the Packers Radio Network. Well, you can exhale. The Packers outlasted the Carolina Panthers 24-16, the final. A tale of two halves at Lambeau Field tonight. But in the end, Green Bay improves to 11-3 behind 145 yards and a touchdown from running back Aaron Jones. Welcome back in. It's Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Through December 31st, get no money down, no interest, and no payments for 12 months, plus $500 off qualifying orders at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. For details, visit PellaWI.com. Greg Matzik with you until 1 o'clock. Taking your calls at 855-616-1620. We'll hop into the locker room and hear from Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers following tonight's game. It's kind of a feeling that you had maybe after the Jacksonville game where Green Bay comes out ahead, 24 points scored tonight, 24 points scored in a win over Jacksonville. But you leave wondering, huh, feels like it should have been maybe a little more than that. We try not to win great here on Packers OT, but nonetheless, it's part of what we have to do. We break down all aspects of a win, a loss, or otherwise. 855-616-1620. We'll get to your calls in a moment. First, let's step aside 10 seconds for our stations to identify themselves on the Packers radio network. Breaking news, weather and traffic, 24 hours a day. WTMJ and W277CD. Milwaukee. Injured? Rely on ortho ASAP to get you going again. There is a difference. So go back to the phones. We have got Reed in Watoma joining us on Packers OT. Hi, Reed. Hi. Uh, can you help me to understand the coach's decision to put second-rounder A.J. Dillon in the game, watch him gain 18 yards on his one attempt, and then not give him another attempt for the rest of the game? I don't know why he didn't get another attempt on that drive, Reed. I, I, right? I just I, – to me, I, I'm right there with you because – I mean, I get easing him back into things after his whole COVID deal, but but the point is, it, that felt like a time to utilize what had been working, and and really everything had been working in the first half. But uh, the Packers were averaging around nine yards a carry around that time, and AJ Dillon came in because Jamal Williams had to leave with an injury and was not able to return. But that was it for AJ Dillon. Reed, I don't I don't have a great answer for you. I wish I did, because it it feels like. When you're playing December football and you've got a running back who's 250 pounds and a thunder and lightning combination with Aaron Jones, that that seems like it would work. That seems like it would make sense to me. I, I don't have a great answer. I, other than Matt LaFleur saying following the game, he feels he should have stayed committed to the run more so in the second half. There's more to the story in the second half than just the play call. And uh, we'll bring in Ben, because Ben is seeing some of the same things that I am. Ben is in Drummond. You're on Packers OT. Hi, Ben. Hey, thanks for taking my call. 
Uh, just a couple of comments I want to make. Um, it's easy for Packer fans to take a record like 11-3 and three for granted because we've had so many good years. But in a messed up year with, uh, with COVID and everything affecting everybody, I think the Packers have done a great job uh, managing that. And Mason Crosby, uh, two weeks in a row, kicking 50-yard field goal to extend a lead and giving us the, the lead that we need to, to win. Uh, I don't think he's missed this year. He's He's been great. I, I don't want to take him for granted either. Uh, just wanted to comment one more thing and see what your thoughts are on it. Uh, second half, when the offense bogged down, um, I was bartending, so I didn't get to see everything, but I saw some drop passes that stalled a few drives. Uh, I saw Devontae Adams, I think, on the first drive of the third quarter, uh, dropped an easy one in his in his belly, and uh, you know, he doesn't usually do that, but that pretty much killed the drive. And uh, I think even the drive right before halftime, um, they had like 20 seconds, but they were running a play with Rodgers running to the left through to Lazard on the sideline, which looked like would line them up for about a 48, 50-yard field goal and just right off his hands, no reason for it. So I kind of worry about uh, as we go into December and January if the drop passes are going to continue to be an issue. But um, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Merry Christmas, guys, and thanks for staying up late with us. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Much appreciated. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, a couple drop passes, and they were back-to-back drives, as Ben mentioned. So, you know, 55 seconds and two timeouts with the ball in the 30, I'm thinking like, okay, we can get this done. And then on a third and nine, it looks like Aaron's got room to run, and he instead sees Alan Lazard, who is positioned where he should be, but ultimately drops the pass. So no points on the board there as part of the two-minute drill. Then the very first drive of the second half, on a second and six, Devontae Adams dropped a ball. On third and six, Aaron Rodgers went deep to MVS, who uh, was covered rather well on the play and unable to bring it in. So... It was a unique situation. Unfortunately, drops have been a bit of a thing for the Packers this season, and um, it it came at inopportune times. Inopportune times, both at the end of the half and uh, in the early portion of the second half, unfortunately. Thankfully, it didn't come back to haunt Green Bay tonight. Against better teams, yeah, it, it certainly could. And, you know, the turnover battle was won by the Packers tonight. That one turnover was a huge play. Tonight's turning point was that one turnover. We'll get to that more a little bit later in the program. But in the Packers' losses this year at Tampa Bay, at Indianapolis, really stand out. Turnovers were such a significant deal. And tonight, thankfully, it was not because Carolina turned the ball over on one occasion. Green Bay was able to protect the ball. When you're struggling like the Packers were, you know, is six punts and seven drives from the late portion of the first half through the rest of the game. Thankfully, thankfully, there were no turnovers because that really could have turned things uh, for the worse. But nonetheless, an eight-point win for the Packers. You take it. It's December football at Lambeau Field, and another primetime game comes a week from, well, I guess technically tonight against the Tennessee Titans. 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us on the program, we'll take your calls until 1 o'clock. Some of the numbers from tonight's game. Teddy Bridgewater got off to a, a, a pretty decent start, and it really that fumble at the goal line, that was that was the, the sour portion of Teddy Bridgewater's tonight. I thought he played pretty well. 21 of 35, 258 yards, and uh, no touchdowns, was not able to get into the end zone with his feet or through the air, had that one fumble and a turnover. 
Uh, you know, quarterback rating, QBR, not not great numbers for Teddy Bridgewater tonight. But I had a lot of t- different times I, I felt throughout the night that the Packers were able to get their hands on balls thrown by Teddy Bridgewater, breaking up a pass play. That happened on a couple of occasions, several occasions. Uh, Adrian Amos had three pass breakups on his own. Uh, they tested Jair Alexander on a couple of times and were not able to get much of anything done. So I, it was, I, I thought, pretty solid pass defense by the Packers by and large. Aaron Rodgers' numbers, it looked like he wasn't going to have to pass the ball all that much because of what Aaron Jones was doing, 145 yards on the ground for Jones. The net for Aaron Rodgers tonight, because of the sacks, actually falls a hun- under 100 yards, 96 yards passing, 143 total is what he'll go down with and a, and a touchdown, his 40th of the season. So he had a touchdown running, he had a touchdown passing, all in that first half, and it looked like, here we go, it's another MVP kind of night for Aaron Rodgers. This Packers offense cannot be stopped. I, and then they fell into that lull toward the end of the first half, and then really for the bulk of the second half, just one drive that produced points in the second half, uh, and it was that rather significant 51-yard field goal by Mason Crosby uh, that at the time... Help take the score beyond a one. Uh, help take the uh, the score beyond a one score game. So I, it came at a critical time. But Mason Crosby, sixteen for sixteen on the season, had that huge fifty seven fifty eight yarder uh, a week ago against Detroit in a dome. Uh, I'd, I'd be very curious to ask Mason, what was a more difficult kick, fifty seven or fifty eight yards in the dome in Detroit a week ago? Or tonight, when it was, I don't know, 30 or so degrees at Lambeau Field, and he kicked a 51-yarder. Not a terribly windy night, but we know the ball just doesn't travel well in colder weather. But a 51-yarder that was true to put the Packers up by a score of 21-13. to It was 21-13 to at the time. He missed that field goal. All of a sudden, Carolina's got pretty decent field position and are a touchdown and two-point conversion away from tying the ball game. So... Uh, Mason Crosby, that was a big swing in tonight's game. It made it an 11-point game with a little over three and a half minutes left to play. So pretty impressive performance. You you love to have a kicker you can trust, not only in bad weather, but just in general, right? Come playoff time, very important to have a kicker you can trust, and the Packers certainly have one in Mason Crosby. Jackson joins us in Appleton. You're on Packers OT. Hi, Jackson. Hi. Um... I was just curious about the, uh, um, and maybe you guys mentioned it earlier in the air, um, but I was just curious about the penalty on Devontae Adams, um, the uh, personal foul. Um, I watched the replays over and over and didn't see anything, uh, as well as over the last couple of weeks, it seems like we've been penalized more and more. Um, or maybe that's just me, I'm not sure. Um, but just kind of wanted your input. Otherwise, uh, Happy holidays, and uh, take care. I'll just listen from here. Yeah, thanks for the phone call, Jackson. Um, penalties were a problem against Detroit a week ago. I think they were 12 penalties. I'm going off the top of my head, but I think they had 12 penalties a week ago. And tonight, I think, was pretty manageable. Five penalties for 50 yards. I, I don't know what the threshold is for penalties, what's acceptable and what is not. Uh, you, you get some mental errors throughout the course of a given game. That's going to happen. Sometimes penalties happen. Because you're overly aggressive. A couple of the penalties that stood out to me. uh, There was a third and nine in the third quarter in which the Carolina Panthers picked up four yards. 
but were awarded a first down because of a defensive holding call on Kevin King. So just think about that for a second. It's third and nine, four yards are picked up. Carolina is, they're on their own side of the field, looking at a fourth and five, down 21-3. Now Matt Rule has to make a big decision. What do you want to do? You got three points on the board. Aaron Rodgers and the offense, they're cooking. Do you go for it? Do you go for it on fourth and five early in the second half and try and get yourself back into the game? Well, he didn't have to make the decision because of a defensive holding penalty on Kevin King. And it wasn't long after that Teddy Bridgewater found his way into the end zone. Capping a seven-play, 51-yard drive in three minutes, 53 seconds. That made it 21-10. to 10. Uh, So, I'm sorry, the the holding penalty on Kevin King actually came in uh, Packers territory. So, Carolina was driving. They were, they were in position. They were going to get some points on the board. Maybe at the very least they get a field goal. But I think it would have been an interesting decision for Matt Rule. Uh, do you go for it, try to get back in this thing? Can you, can you go back and forth with Aaron Rodgers kicking field goals? I would have appreciated an opportunity to see that play out. So that was one penalty that stood out to me. Uh, there was another one on Kevin King, and I don't know what they called it, personal foul. He led with the helmet. Kind of a bang-bang play. I, I get it. You zoom in. You slow it down, slow motion. You see the penalty. To me, that is a penalty of being aggressive. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it happened on a first and 20. It happened on a first and 20. All of a sudden, you got new life if you're Carolina. Now, that drive apparently uh, evidently ended at the one-yard line with the fumble, which turned into a Packers touchdown. But nonetheless, a first and 20. So the timeliness of the penalties, never a great time for a penalty, but those were two occasions in which Kevin King was flagged, and it uh, not a good situation at all. Uh, As for the Devontae Adams play, I I have no idea what he did. I still have – my – my thought was that he stood over the defender, that he got up and was, right, the defender was sort of between his legs on the ground, and instead of stepping aside, he chose to stand over him. I, I didn't see a great camera angle of that on the TV copy, uh, and I'm in the studios here, in our game day studios, not at Lambo, so I'm not sure. I, I don't have a great answer for why Kevin King was, was flagged. I'm really not sure. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us. We'll step aside here for a quick moment. Uh, I do want to hop into the locker room when we come back on the other side. we got some comments from Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur that we will get to, and uh, your thoughts as well. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Snap and place. Kick is end over end. To the uprights. And it is good! Crosby again delivers in the cool Wisconsin air from 51 yards. And the Packers extend to a 24-13, 11-point lead, 3.39 to go in the game. A reminder that Sartori Cheese donates $1,000 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Wisconsin for every field goal by Green Bay. Tonight, a donation of $1,000 will be made to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of Wisconsin. Every time Mason Crosby is lined up for a field goal, Sartori is donating $1,000 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I can tell you, I can tell you right now, 
That Sartori cheese has donated $16,000 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation because Mason is 16 for 16 this season. That is remarkable. Uh, Maybe not as many as attempts as you might expect from a high-powered, potent Packers offense. Uh, Tells me they're scoring a lot of touchdowns, but 16 for 16 with three games to play in the regular season. Pretty amazing stuff. Green Bay is... Well, two games to play, Tennessee and Chicago. Pardon me, got ahead of myself there. Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us on the program. Let's talk to Pat in Atlanta. You're on Packers OT. Hi, Pat. Hey, Greg, uh, big fan. You do a great job, and especially like it when you fill on, on some of the shows. Just want to say love, love it when you come on. Your analysis is usually right on target. Yeah, I appreciate that, Pat, very much. What do you got tonight? Well, a couple of players under the radar that I, that I was kind of looking at tonight, and I thought, you know, we had some good spots and bad spots. Obviously, the defense just doesn't seem to put it together at the second half, and they, if somebody really wants to beat us, all they got to do is keep running and keep running, and it works. But Dean Lowry had a really good game. He's one of those guys that you don't notice, I think, under the radar. On one play, two plays in a row, for example, he blew up a screen. He saw the screen was coming, and he blocked his guy into the uh, running back, and then he jammed the running back. It was just a great play. And on the next play, he jumped up and tipped a Teddy Bridgewater pass. That was, you know, guy was wide open in the middle of the field. He, he, I thought he did great. Um, but on the other hand, uh, Lucas Patrick had did his best Don Barclay impersonation tonight. Uh, he was like a turnstile. His guy was just eating him up, and he was not – doing well on the run on the run at all and you know some of those guys you just don't notice they're just kind of you know in the weeds and the only other uh, other thing I'll mention real quick I thought Rashawn Gary too is coming along he's always in the backfield he seems to have great moves and you know and the fourth thing I'd say is you've already said it when you want to throw against the Packers who do you throw at Kevin King and invariably you're going to have a 50-50 shot of you know having success just want to get your reaction on some individual players uh, tonight that sort of made it a collective effort. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call and the kind words, Pat. Thank you so much for uh, chiming in from down in Atlanta. Uh, Dean Lauer did get his hand on the ball tonight. I saw the same play. I had the same camera set up you did uh, in that there was a running back for Carolina, I don't know, eight yards down the field, standing by himself. Uh, that drive continues if Dean Lauer doesn't get his hand on the ball. There were several batted passes. Darnell Savage had one. Uh, Adrian Amos deflected three balls away from receivers. Jair Alexander had one. I mean, all over the field tonight. Yeah, some of that, I think, at the line of scrimmage. And Teddy Bridgewater is not the tallest of quarterbacks. And his release is not as over the top as Drew Brees. So sometimes he gets into trouble finding passing lanes. And I'm sure that was part of the coaching going into tonight's game. But yes, there's a huge play by Dean Lowry. They got a nice little thing going there. I think Kingsley Kiki is maybe a higher ceiling player uh, than Dean Lowry or Tyler Lancaster or some of the other players, Montrevious Adams. You've got Kenny Clark, and he's your stalwart. Uh, but I thought Kiki played a, a pretty nice game. It seems like at least once a game he's finding his way into the backfield and really disrupting the quarterback. You like to see that. Uh, it was not a great night for Lucas Patrick, uh, and really just – in general, for this offensive line, we, we have not seen this before tonight. And Carolina was not a team coming into tonight's game overly impressive with their ability to get to the quarterback. 
And the Packers have done an incredible job protecting Aaron Rodgers. So coming into tonight's game, Aaron Rodgers was sacked 14 times total all season. That's incredibly low, especially given the fluctuation on the offensive line. And tonight he was sacked on five occasions. And we saw Lucas Patrick get beat a couple of times. We saw David Bakhtiari get beat once, which is not common. And uh, it was frustrating. So uh, this is part of why Aaron Rodgers is in the MVP discussion. His ability to remain upright behind an offensive line that has been a bit of a turnstile. It's been, to me, up until tonight, one of the incredible stories of the Packers season. That it's been Ricky Wagner, it's been Billy Turner, it's been... I, who else we got here? Elton Jenkins on the fly, starting at center, picking up mid-game for Corey Lindsley, who, according to Pro Football Focus, was the highest-graded center in all of the NFL before he went out with injury. Bakhtiari missed a couple of games with a rib issue. So the offensive line, by and large, has been outstanding. I, I don't think tonight is going to make me feel worse about the offensive line. I thought it was kind of an off night. It was an off night for the offense. That happens. What's pleasing in it all is that the offense doesn't always have to prop this team up for a win. They did its job in the first half, felt a little clunky toward the end of the half, the second half was not pretty, but the point production for Carolina, under 20. To me, that's a recipe for a win. Anything under 20 against Green Bay, I'm feeling pretty good about the Packers winning that game. 855-616-1620, if you'd like to join us, let's go to... Jack in Freedom, you're on Packers OT. Hi, Jack. Hi, how's it going? I'm doing well. All right, my question is, or a comment more of, is so every every time it seems when we get a lead in the first half, the offense is looking really good, moving the ball right down the field on a not very good defense. And then we go into halftime, and we come out, and we seem the offense seems to go stagnant and rely on our defense, and it always ends up in a close game. And I just wanted to get your comments on that. Yeah, I, don't, I wish I had a better answer for you, Jack. It, here's what I know. The Packers have the highest-scoring offense in the NFL. They entered tonight's game scoring 31.6 points per game. So that's up a full touchdown over last year. Matt LaFleur's first year as head coach, the Packers scored 23.5 points per game, uh, which coincidentally was the exact same number of points scored on average in Mike McCarthy's final season in Green Bay. So we've seen a, a significant jump. 31.6 a game? That's impressive. And the Packers tonight scored on their first drive. They've scored a touchdown seven times to start the game. Drive number one has resulted in a touchdown on seven occasions. Let's look at the third quarter, shall we? There have been five times this season the Packers have been shut out in the third quarter. Against Tampa Bay, loss. Against Minnesota, the second time, that was a loss. Against Indianapolis, loss. Against Carolina, able to get away with a win. And against Jacksonville, able to come away with a win. But neither one of those games were very pretty. Uh, so I don't have a great reason for why that is. Scripted plays, whatever's being dialed up in the first half, that's working. Frame it. And I, I hesitate to say, well, it's just, you know, in-game adjustments. Now that might be some of the case. It's just too vague of a term for me to say definitively this is what's going on. But very clearly, it's been a struggle for the Packers coming out after the half. There have been times against Detroit, against Chicago, 
against a beat-up San Francisco team in which the Packers have scored 10 points or more. But 7, 0, 6, that's the, the, those are more common numbers that you see throughout the season. So, uh, look, against Carolina, eh, that'll work. Against Jacksonville, it worked. Against Tennessee, probably not going to work. Probably not going to work. 855-616-1620. couple open phone lines for you. We'll hear from Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers coming up on the other side as we continue. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. Three receivers left. Snap to Bridgewater. Sets up a screen. Left side. Davis. And down he goes. Oh, my goodness. The rookie Chris Barnes along with Kenny Clark. They destroy that play. Loss of six. Back to the 40-yard line. Third and long coming up for Carolina. Well, Chris Barnes was having himself a fine game before leaving with an eye injury. We'll see what that's all about. Doesn't sound good, but he made maybe the play of the game, which we'll get to as our turning point coming up a little later in the program. Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. And a reminder, through December 31st, starting to run out of time here, get no money down, no interest, and no payments for 12 months, plus $500 off qualifying orders at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. For details, visit PellaWI.com. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us on the program tonight. Let's talk to Doug in Baraboo. You're on Packers OT. Hello, Doug. Yeah, good evening, Greg. Say, um, another uh, a good win against another professional football team. Say, I'm going to go back to one of your earlier comments where you said you're not sure, you know, if how much uh, Rodgers is changing the the calls at the line of scrimmage or if he is or not. And and to add to that, your callers are talking about why did they abandon the run. And then LaFleur comes out, the coach says why maybe he abandoned the run too soon. Well, do you think, and of course we'll never know, but do you think going into the second half with the 21-3 to lead that maybe Rodgers was thinking more in regards to getting uh, Adams his ninth uh, touchdown in uh, in nine games and and maybe – we lost track of, or we, we lost our focus, basically, on, on on winning the game, and maybe started leaning too much towards that aspect. And I know it's an intangible item, but it just seems like I'm just trying to put everything together and getting back to what your initial comment was earlier in the show. Yeah, no, I, I think it's. Uh... Well diagnosed here, Doug, because there was a play in uh, I got to find it now. I think it was in the second half. It was a a short little pass to Devonte, who was at the line of scrimmage, and he didn't really get out of the tackle. I think it was maybe a one yard gain. And Wayne had noted on the radio broadcast that uh, it was an RPO situation. In other words, uh, Aaron's at the line. He sees something that he thinks will work with Devonte, so it's a quick turn and pitch. In an RPO situation, you're rarely going to have, unless there's an audible, a complete audible, which changes the protection and so on. Uh, Sometimes Aaron and Devontae just work on signals, right? Nobody else on the field knows what's going on except Aaron and Devontae. Uh, And maybe another receiver if they're on that side of the field. But it was a quick boom. We're going to Devontae here. And it could have been a run. could have been something that Aaron saw that he liked and he went to his guy. 
Uh, but to your point, Doug, about wanting to get the ball in Devontae Adams' hands more, Aaron mentioned it following the game. Yes, there was a concerted effort. They need to get the ball in the hands of one of their elite playmakers. You know, even though we were obviously very efficient running the football, we need to keep finding ways to get Devontae involved because he's such a difference maker. And uh, he didn't, you know, didn't feel like we got uh, got where we would get him involved a whole lot tonight. Now, obviously, they really didn't give him uh, a lot of single coverage, maybe one or two plays the entire game. But we got to keep finding ways to get him the ball uh, because he's just so dynamic. So therein lies one of the big questions. If a team takes away Devontae Adams and is successful in doing so, is this what the Packers' offense looks like? Because he scored a touchdown in eight consecutive games, which was remarkable. And in one of those games, the Packers' offense was, by and large, held in check against Jacksonville. But it's not easy to find games in which the Packers don't score 30 points or more. It's happened on occasion. Minnesota, Tampa Bay, as I mentioned, Jacksonville, again tonight. Even in a loss to Indianapolis, the Packers scored more than 30 points. So, yes, uh, seven receptions, 42 yards is a very quiet night for a player with Devontae Adams' stat line. Along of 14, he was targeted 10 times. So your leading receiver in terms of yards was Alan Lazard. MVS didn't have a catch. Robert Tunyon had three. So it was of wide receivers who played tonight. Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams were the only ones who caught a pass. And then it was two running backs and a tight end. So that's overall a pretty quiet night passing the football. Now, it's reflected in Aaron Rodgers' numbers here, I think. 143 yards passing, just 20 completions, under five yards of completion. That's, that's pretty underwhelming, especially for a guy who is either going to win the MVP or finish second. Those are uncommon numbers. So I, I'm not going to get as worried about it because the Packers are averaging over 31 points per game this season. This was a, a bit of an outlier. Yes, 24 points is not going to beat the Tennessee Titans. May not beat the Chicago Bears. And you better do a little better than that come playoff time. But I, the positive takeaways I have is that the defense made plays when it had to. And you held a team under 20 points in earning a win and hanging on to home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Now I get to kick back at home. You don't even have to get on an airplane. You wake up tomorrow morning, right? You have a nice breakfast. You throw on football. You wait for 325 and you anchor in and watch a little Chiefs and Saints. And I think Tennessee plays earlier in the day. There you go, a little advanced scouting. How about that? We'll take it. 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us, more from Aaron Rodgers, more from you coming up on the other side. Packers Radio is presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. No huddle again. Bridgewater trying to leap the line, fumbles the football, and it's scooped up. And on the run, down the right side, and cutting it back, it's Kevin King across the 50, down to the 45-yard line of Carolina. My goodness. Oh, Bridgewater tried to leap the line, reached the ball over. Somebody knocked it loose, and Kevin King took it all over 50 yards into Carolina territory. Matt LaFleur called it the play of the game, and it is tonight's turning point of the game, presented by your Wisconsin Toyota dealers. 
Toyota-thon is on. It's time to ring in the season with a stylish new ride from Toyota. Gotta hurry, though. These incredible savings won't last. Toyota, let's go places. It was the 13th play of a significant drive for the Carolina Panthers. Moving down to the one-yard line. Knocking on the door. Ready to score a touchdown and make it a 14-10 ball game. That's what we were looking at until Teddy Bridgewater decided to go up and over the offensive and defensive line of the Packers. And Chris Barnes, out of nowhere, just uh, he just spiked it. it. It was a crazy play. And the ball bounced into the hands of Kevin King. He ran 46 yards with the ball and seven plays later. The Packers were in the end zone and leading 21-3. to You talk about a key sequence in tonight's win. I, I thought it was... I thought that was going to be touchdown three of a blowout because that's what it looked like. It turned out to be, well, let's do the math here, right? <laughs> it turns out to be a pretty big swing, a 14-point swing in an eighteen in an eight-point game. That's significant, and it is tonight's turning point. Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. We've got Brian in Shorewood on Packers OT. Hello, Brian. Good morning, Greg. Uh, first of all, Great show, always, and uh, first-time caller. Uh, as we look to the playoffs uh, and I look at this team, do we think that if we win the coin toss, we should really decide to receive rather than deferring? And, and I don't want to make this into, like, Brett versus Aaron, but I feel like the Packers teams, when it was under Brett, there was this feeling that if we were down, we could always come back and win. And with Aaron – it's like if things go really bad early on, it's like we're not going to get out of it. And, and I'm just thinking, you know, what, what are your thoughts in terms of when we get to the playoffs, if we get that coin toss, we should really elect to, to receive. Yeah, and so Matt has been a – he has been a defer kind of guy. He was asked about this a few weeks ago. I'm not, I'm not sure if you heard it, Brian. Thanks for the phone call. Uh he was asked, why, why do you always just defer? What, what, what is it about deferring when you win the toss? And I, I must admit, his answer was, it wasn't like, a, oh, I don't know, it's just what we do. But it was, I, he didn't really display and reveal a complete philosophy for why he does it. Uh, I do think there is something to the fact when you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a star quarterback, you feel like if we could squeeze out one more possession before the end of the half and then start the second half with the ball, you double up possessions. And we've seen that work time and time again. But I think your point is an interesting one. The scoring environment could change come playoff time. Be it the opponent, be it the weather. Right? There's all sorts of factors and variables that go into your decision-making for a given day. And we know the Packers have, on seven occasions, scored in their first opportunity with the football this season. Seven touchdowns. That's impressive. Getting out to a big lead, getting out to a lead of any size in any game, especially in a playoff game, well, that's nice. Mike McCarthy was more of a defer guy. Um, I don't know if there was a shift. I'd have to go back and look and see what his... His numbers are, but it's just it's just the way Matt Lafleur operates. And, and tonight, it it should have worked in the Packers' benefit. You feel like there were a c- couple of opportunities to get points on the board before the end of the half, and then start the second half with the football. 
well, you get points there, and all of a sudden we're looking at a laugher. So uh, I don't put much stock into it. It's just the way he rolls. Brian's in Green Bay and joining us next on Packers OT. Hi, Brian. Hi. Hey, Brian, go ahead. How's it going tonight? Okay, Brian, we look, looks like we lost our connection. Carrie is in Star Prairie. You're joining us next. Hello, Carrie. Um, hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say for a lot of the callers that have been calling in tonight, you know, kind of complaining about winning a lot of one-score games recently, I think that from basically his very first game as Packers head coach until this game as Packers head coach, I think Matt LaFleur has done a pretty good job winning one-score football games. And I think our defense did a very good job um, tonight, as they do in a lot of these games, doing just enough to win. And as usual, our offense, you know, did just enough to win. So um, I would just like to ask you guys um, you guys, one question. Um, how many games in his short tenure as head coach has Matt LaFleur won that have been, you know, eight points or fewer? You know, how many one-score games has Matt LaFleur won? That's all. Thanks again, and um, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Go, Paco. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, Kerry. We are a little late for our final break, so I'm going to step aside, and we'll get that number for you coming up on the other side. Uh, I think the point is well taken. We see teams every week in the NFL lose games like this. You have uh, 30 minutes, 35 minutes of things not going well, and it just you chalk it up as an off day. Happened to the Packers last year at against the Chargers. That one really stands out to me. It happens. It does happen. But can you find a way to win those games somehow, some way? Seems like Matt LaFleur has. Record over two years would indicate it has. Uh, we'll get that number coming up on the other side as we conclude Packers OT. Packers OT, Packers Radio. It's presented by American Family Insurance. This is the Packers Radio Network. <laughs> Fourth down, snap Bridgewater, shotgun, looks, fires, right side, it's wide of the mark, well off the mark for Robbie Anderson, and finally, there is your late night (laughs) dagger. A little later than anticipated, but nonetheless, a victory for the Green Bay Packers, 24-16 the final, Green Bay now 11-3 on the season. Packers OT presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. So let's go back to the caller's question before the break. So the Packers are 4-2 and two in one-score games this season. I define a one-score game as eight points or less. Given the two-point conversion, I think you have to look at it as such. So 4-2 and two this season in one-score games. Wins over the Saints, Jacksonville, Detroit, and Carolina losses to Minnesota and Indianapolis. Last season, and I remember this was a, a focal point last year, the Packers were 8-1 and one in one-score games. So are they lucky to be 13-3? and three? Remember, that was the discussion. Not really blowing anybody out. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. And then he got trounced by San Francisco. He got trounced in California by the Chargers. Wins last year, one-score games. Chicago twice, Detroit twice, Minnesota, Kansas City without Patrick Mahomes, Carolina by the same score as what we saw tonight, amazingly. Washington, the only loss was Philadelphia. So put it all together, 12-3 and in one-score games his first year. 
there have been far fewer one-score games this year. Aaron Rodgers was held under 200 yards passing three times last season. Three times. Packers were one and two. He was held under 200 yards passing tonight, buck 43, in a Packers win. Barry's in California joining us on Packers OT. Hi, Barry. Hi, Greg. Thank you for taking my call. And uh, before I forget, best of holiday wishes to you and your family. Um, I have to say that I think the game today was the epitome of winning ugly. We've won our last four games against the Bears, the Eagles, of course the Lions, and tonight against the Panthers. Brett, on his weekly serious show, said that he believes the Packers can make it to the Super Bowl, but they do need to have the road to the playoffs go through Green Bay, and I agree. And I think after the performances over the last couple of weeks, there's been a bit of a mixed bag. I think the Packers are really, truly going to need a full 60-minute performance against the Titans on Sunday night. They're going to be going against a human force field and Derrick Henry, and I think it's going to be a team that will be a very good barometer for us as to where we are and how we react to a two-playoff team. I wanted to know if you agreed with me, and I'll be happy to take your comments off the air. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it, Barry. Merry Christmas. Thanks for the kind words. I, no right. doubt about it. I, the game against... Tennessee. I mean, that, that is your measuring stick game. With respect to Carolina and Detroit and Chicago, I mean, come on, right? I just This is the game against Tennessee that will learn something. We'll, we'll take what happens against Tennessee, fair or unfair, and we'll make conclusions. You beat Carolina, yeah, you did what you had to do. You beat Detroit, you did what you had to do against an inferior team. Same familiar storyline when you face the Bears in the final week of the regular season. But Tennessee jumps off the page. Uh, but I guarantee this. Tennessee's trying to figure out how they're going to stop the Green Bay Packers as well. Green Bay averages over 30 points a game. 31.5 after today's game. Tennessee averages 30. I don't know, I don't know what the folks in the desert are going to do with this game, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a shootout reflected in they're over under total, right? I just that these are two great offenses and, and they get after you a little bit different of a way, but Tennessee can certainly pass the ball. And Aaron Jones can certainly run the ball. So I, this is not a game where you're going to say, boy, the defense really bailed us out. They shut Tennessee down. That might be that they bail you out with a player too. But no, I, I don't look at it. I don't look at next week's matchup and say, this is where we learn everything we need to know about the Packers' defense. No, not at all. Not at all. I, I don't imagine they'll be able to slow Derrick Henry down. He will be a factor in the game. He's just too good. But so is Aaron Rodgers. Right? Just, I, I, that, that, this, and by the way, the other storyline is that Matt LaFleur's employer prior to coming to Green Bay was Tennessee. So here you go. Right? It's going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. But it is the true lone measuring stick game left on the Packers' schedule prior to the playoffs. The final quarter of the season, Detroit, Carolina, Chicago, and you've got circled Tennessee. No doubt about it. Some of the numbers from tonight's game, a 24-16 win by the Green Bay Packers. Overall, pretty impressive performance for Aaron Jones. 145 yards and a touchdown for Jones on the night. The bulk of that was done in the first half of tonight's game, but nonetheless, a fine performance from Aaron Jones. Quiet night for Aaron Rodgers by comparison. 
Just 143 yards passing and a touchdown. Rodgers also had a rushing touchdown on the night. Three sacks for the Packers this evening. Held their opponent to under 20 points, by and large. Pretty impressive stuff. The next time I greet you, it'll be December 27th, following the Packers-Titans game. That means we will not talk before Christmas, so please, do yourself a favor and enjoy Christmas with those you care about the most. If you're able, have a Merry Christmas. We will talk to you next week, hopefully following a Packers win. For our producer, Greg Hill, Evan Wattalis in Cutting Highlights, and Ashton Rotman, our executive producer of the Packers Radio Network, This has been a presentation of Packers football on the Packers Radio Network.